you know, we've gotten into the flip. People are started. They're going to start demoing. They're going to start working for real. And these guys work fast, a lot of them. And you have to be able to give them the vision of what you're wanting. I'm starting to see that. I see a lot of like really cool architecture with like the dark, you know, the dark colors and schematics. And they're on the side of a cliff. And I'm like, wow, this thing is awesome. And then the more <laughs> I'm thinking about it, I'm like, these are all yeah. AI, man. <laughs> like these are not really built. Yeah. You are now listening to the Real Estate Heavyweights Podcast. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing, and I do believe that in life. Your weekly deep dive into DFW real estate, life, and beyond. With your hosts, Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines. Well, good morning and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Heavyweights University, where we are taking a deep dive into how to flip a house uh, in the future. Uh, we're definitely going to use this space to interview some other professionals that are in the field, try to figure out how they do their business, get some tips from them. Um, we're going to double back here in a little while and really, really dive deep on some of these topics that we brushed over early on, just to make sure we explain exactly all the finer details of finding a house, you know, how to value a house, all those sorts of things. But um, today we're going to get a little bit more into the flipping, how to to go to the next step. Last time we talked about how to get a really good start, how to prep your guys and, and your team to go ahead and jump into the house and really have an opportunity to get in there and get out and make some good money. Before that, we talked about financing. Before that, we talked about how to figure out what level of rehab you're even dealing with. So jump back, listen to some of those. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to kick into that. But before we do that, I am here uh, with my my real estate friend, my mentor, my guy who's helping me flip a house over uh, at Mapleton. Uh, it's Tavis Westbrook. What's going on, Tavis? Hey, man. I am doing well. Yeah, thanks for uh, th thanks for the opening. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the opening. Uh, yeah, if you don't know, we we record early, so I'm one cup of coffee in. Tavis is probably into his first cup of coffee there. So we it took us a little while to get into gear, and uh, we've been bouncing ideas off of each other. And you know, for those of you who don't know, I'm working on flip number four, and uh, Tavis has a tenant that's moving out of one of his midterm rentals and moving in. And one of the nice things is about Tavis is he's let me use some of his trades to get Mapleton done. The bad part for him is when they're at my house, they can't be at his house. And so today he needs uh, he needs the, the cabinet guy and trim guy and his team to be helping him turn over this midterm rental to get ready for his next tenant. And it just so happened that today was the day they were going to be at my. And so we're trying to coordinate that. And uh, I made it very clear early on to all the guys, like, do not ever come to my house first. Always take care of Tavis. I don't want him to think like, hey, next time I'm going to send the B team because uh, I can't afford to lose the A team this time because I, I really, really appreciate it. But yeah, every once in a while they do. They do kind of mix up their schedule and we have to figure out uh, who's going to be where. So Tavis has flipped over 200 houses. I'm on number four. And so uh, that's what we're doing here. We're talking about um, how to flip a house. And, you know, for me, I work full time and I my flip is 45 minutes away. So I'm running back and forth. It's an hour and a half plus whatever time I spend down there. And so this step here. It's super important because now, you know, we've gotten into the flip. People are started. They're going to start demoing. They're going to start working for real. And these guys work fast, a lot of them. And you have to be able to give them the vision of what you're wanting. And you have to be able to make it very clear. And maybe it's, you know, writing a little uh, 
picture on the wall. Maybe it's putting it on a piece of paper. Maybe it's actually doing CAD drawings or something like that. But you have to be able to explain your vision. So, Tavis, why don't you take us into this next step? You know, we've gotten a good start. They're going to be over there demoing. They're going to start framing. Um, what's next? What do we need to pay attention to as we we get into week three, you know, week four of this project where we're really starting to redesign this house? Ashton, so, you know, we talk about this a lot is kind of working backwards the forwards. And I think it comes um, true with with the design aspect as well and, and kind of the, you know, the overall scope of the project. And so that's looking at, you know, looking at your comps, looking at any high comps that are going to help support that high value and then really diving into, um, you know, how you compare it to your property and kind of the things that you need to do to be comparable and the things that you necessarily don't need to do. And so that, you know, having that in mind is going to help create that plan, right? So everything we want to do when we're doing this is operating this as a business and not some, you know, weekend, you know, warrior plan that we come up with this harebrained idea idea we saw on HGTV and saying, hey, let's let's go do this. That would be cool. I think right. you've you've got to yeah. be cautious and um and be aware. So the the big things that you need to tackle first are gonna be your repair items, right? Anything that um was addressed, you know, in the pre walkthroughs <clears throat> and anything that kind of gave you that distressed acquisition. You know, so, you know, obviously foundation, plumbing issues, electrical issues, uh, roof, um, you know, things like that. You know, those are going to be kind of your big ticket items that you know you have to do that you can't skip over. So those need to be kind of forefront. And then some of the fun design stuff needs to be kind of secondary. But knowing how a house is built. So, you know, we talked about this a little bit in one of our previous episodes of, you know, uh, the foundation comes first. So if there's a repair on the foundation, that has to come first. Um, and then you get into your framing, right? That's the structure that holds the property up. So any kind of wall movement or or modifications you're going to make, making a master shower bigger or, um, you know, making a pocket door where there was an existing door or uh, adding a bathroom or, and you know, anything like that, that has to do with some kind of framing work that needs to come second, right? Framing has to happen before you get into electrical and plumbing and HVAC. So it's kind of knowing those sequences. And then, you mm-hmm. know, from that point, okay, now we've done the framing. Now we can do electrical. Now we can do plumbing, but you have to think forward enough. When you start doing your electrical plan, you need to be thinking about your your cabinet plan. So if you're putting new cabinets in, you need to think, hey, am I redesigning this kitchen? Am I redesigning the layout? So the first couple weeks is very, very crucial because that's where you have to uh, set appointments to meet trades over there and walk the job physically and start mapping it out. If you don't have a predetermined uh, floor plan, for instance, a set of plans that you've already come up with before you purchase the property and kind of working through that, um, then you need to be doing that live, right? You need to kind of be walking it with those trades and figure out, okay, this is my vision, this is the plan, and then we're, we're going to start building that together. And then the next thing to think about is what are the things that take a long time to fabricate? So, you know, if the cabinets are already existing and all you're doing is changing countertops, that's great. Get the counter guy in there get the cab or the countertop guy in there day one day two to do templates 
and go ahead and tell him, hey, go ahead and template it. All right. That way he's already got his his templates ready to go. You have to make sure you're not modifying anything, right? Because then he would have to double back and make a trip back. But it, as long as you're not modifying any cabinets, he can template it. Then you can select your countertops and then he can start fabrication. So fabrication typically runs two to three weeks for countertops. So that's something you have to think forward, right? And then uh, other big things, right? Maybe flooring, for instance. Like I use a big flooring company that's turnkey, but I know their scheduling is at least two weeks out. And then you can't miss that window. So you have to really think forward to planning ahead and knowing these sequences and just kind of having all your ducks in a row. So that way you're not, you know, you're not sitting on the house several days waiting for the next guy, waiting for the next guy. Or another thing that happens, and you've been through this, you know, now in a couple projects where you're waiting on a trade, but in the interim you have a trade pop in and say, hey, you know, I can go ahead and do your drywall. Yeah. You know, I can get this going. It's sitting here, right. you know, and, and the trade doesn't care about the sequence. But maybe you didn't complete electrical yeah. yet. Maybe you didn't complete your plumbing yet. <laughs> so, right, you know, right, they want, right. they're hot to try out and they want to get going. And then, you know, you're doubling back or you're piecemealing it together and you're creating a lot more headaches than, you know, hey, hold on. You know, I'm not going to start you till next week. Let me get these things out of the way first. And then that way it's much smoother. Yep. And then you can get the trades to communicate and work together, but you need to be aware that you know, are they going to be on top of each other where it's too difficult for them to work together? Um, you know, I think yeah. yesterday you had this right in the final punch hours of scheduling the cleaning crew to do a final clean, which, you know, you have site finished wood floors throughout the whole entire house. So what's that create? A, a massive storm of dust. And mm-hmm. that has to be clean before we can get the painter in there. But there was, you know, punch stuff left over for the drywall guys. There's stuff left over for the trim carpenter guys. There's hardware trim left. There was AC stuff left to do. There was a little bit of electrical left to do. Mm-hmm. And the cleaning crew wants to make her cycle. Like, you know, she has a system. Everybody has a system, right? Where do they, yeah. where do they start and how do they clean and how do they go step by step? So it's being aware of those things. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you've never done this before, just, you know, make notes and, and show up. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Even if you have a GC, I think it's important for you to learn these things and make the time, especially, Absolutely. you know, learning how this process works because the GC may expect you to know this stuff. And a lot of GCs operate in the sense that they just do what you tell them to do. They don't really think too much on their own. They don't have a sense of design. They don't really want that responsibility of design. They just want to kind of follow your lead and you tell them to do something, they do it. They don't really care if it was supposed to come first or come second, they're going to charge you. So, mm-hmm. you know, a good GC will help guide you, but you know, it's not to say that everybody will. Right. Well, and I know the problem I ran into over at Polk where I did have a, a GC there, you know, he had his own crew. He, he worked for a big company and they had multiple crews. And so he could usually get someone there, but you didn't quite know the quality of the people showing up. And they actually did a lot of rentals. And so the quality of people that were coming out, you know, maybe it's not his primary person that he wants to do, let's say electrical or whatever, but this company is available this week. So they would bring him out and the quality 
was really hard to regulate. I didn't quite know who was showing up or what they were doing. And it was really inconsistent and in general sort of trended towards more rental finish as opposed to a flip finish. And there is a big difference there. You know, they usually they're real quick, quick in and out. They're not caring too much about tolerances and the nitpicky little details of this doesn't fit just perfect. But when you're flipping it, you want it to look great, you know, and um, they're just trying to get it ready to rent for another five years. Uh, so it's definitely different. So when I started showing up more and more over at the Polk property is really when I realized there's a problem here because until then I just assumed, Hey, it's going great. He knows what he's doing. He's hiring the guys. And I, and after a while, it's like, man, this is not going well. It's taking forever. It's really expensive. The quality is not good. So when I started spending time there is really, really, really when I um, made a difference. And I will say some of the stuff that I, you know, when you start looking forward and then going backwards, you know, the things that I had to pay attention to, some of it's moving walls a little bit. You know, I know we ran into that at Mapleton. We have these pony walls in the bathrooms. And then you also have framing in the the soap boxes for the showers. And this is something that's going to come into play weeks later with tile and that sort of thing. But you have to think through, okay, I want this little pony wall here to cover up where the toilet's going to go so to give some privacy, but I know I want a soapbox, and so it needs to be framed this way. Then you look up on the ceiling. Okay, I want a rain shower, but I also need some light over here. And, you know, I want the light to be sort of centered. I don't want it to be just this random hole in the middle of the shower. So you have to think with that design, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have the full, I know every single color I'm going to use and everything I'm going to finish everything right now, but you do have to know, okay, if we're putting a rain shower here, a light has to go here, which means it needs to have a switch on the wall. Where would it make sense for the switch to be when you walk into the bathroom? Um, I want an led mirror because that's what we're wanting to do in this house. Well, that means it has to be pre-wired for led, not a vanity light, which is much higher. Those are all discussions that I had zero idea about until we started doing Mapleton together. And all of that stuff really had to happen really, really early on because that's where you start doubling back. The electrician comes in and does the rough. He puts the box way high for the vanity light. No, I actually want LED. Now he drops it down. Now that's more work for the sheetrock guy. And, you know, it's mm -hmm. like it, and it compounds one thing here, one thing there. It's another day. It's another four or five hours. And, you know, that's just money. That's just over and over and over. And so, you know, I think for you, you have like these overriding. This is where keeping your design similar from house to house really helps because now your guys know in general, you like the LEDs. In general, you like your light over the shower right here and your switch typically on the left side right here. And is that right? I mean, over after a while, they just kind of know like your design style, you want a soapbox here and you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's again, it, we've talked about this before. One of the very, very important parts of this business is building your team. And I think the more that you do business with this team, then yes, they will understand more of what you expect. And and other times, you know, there's definitely been so, several times <laughs> that I'm like, why would you do it like this? We've always done it this way. You know, why are you doing something different? So mm -hmm. mistakes still happen. Um, I think it's my question for you is like when you did when they started your electrical rough. Uh, at Mapleton, were you there mm -hmm. uh, and walked mm -hmm. the job with them when they when they first started it, or did they just kind of do what they thought needed to happen? Like, because I mean, you have a lot of like light placements in that house, which it's more than I would typical do it, it typically do. Um, yeah, just because of the cost. Yeah, I mean, because I know every light 
cost a certain dollar amount, right? So it it looks great, um, but like you know, some of it's overkill in the sense of like what needed to be done versus you know what looks great, right? Yeah, I know the very first. So when when Mapleton started, I had the GC. He had his electrician, and they. I I do not remember being there when they first started doing their stuff. We might have. I may have told the GC, hey, I want can lights in the master. I want a fan box in the guest bedroom, that sort of thing. Got it. Uh, I don't remember going through and circling, okay, yes, yes, no. And that became a huge problem over at Polk because I don't know if you remember that, but I think we had like 15 can lights between the kitchen (laughs) and the breakfast and the living room, you know? I mean, it did look cool in a way. Mapleton um, actually is good hindsight, I probably would have put a few can lights in the guest bedrooms because they just have the fan and it's a little, a little dark for my taste, but you know, you learn those types of things. I know we did a better job with Cali because we actually were pointing out the led boxes and we were pointing out switches, but even to that point, I mean, now we don't have CAD drawings. That was your second rough. (laughs) Cali was was my second second rough. rough Yes. Because (laughs) Yeah. But even Callie, you know, that's the electrician that knows a ton. He's worked with Tavis forever. He knows exactly how Tavis wants to run it. Even then we punched the other day and, and, and for whatever reason, you don't know with this punching means basically you're, you're walking through the house, you're making a list, a punch list. Like these are the things that we need to tackle and you do it constantly. So you make a punch list. Right. Yeah. These are everything on the final, like you, we, this is a problem. Come back, fix this. And so Callie knows tons and his guys have worked there, you know, and they know what they're doing. There's still five or six things like, why, Callie, why, why is there not a switch to the LED light? (laughs) Why is there not a switch to the vent in the laundry room? They, things just get overlooked and they're in there. They're just trying to get in and get out. And, you know, so it still happens. Uh, But yeah, walking through with Callie was a different experience because, you know, he, he, ask the right questions. Hey, do you want to switch here? Do you want it to be a two-way switch? Do you want it to work the vent and the light? All these like intricacies that for me was new. Like, well, I don't know. Yeah. What do you do? And you know, well, normally we do it this way. Okay, great. And, but moving forward, I know, okay, now we have to have that conversation. And, you know, and, and for you listeners out there, I mean, look, it, it doesn't have to be necessarily... I think it's a good idea to be hands-on. Um, but at the end of the day, you can also pay for design plans in the beginning um, that would cover, you know, uh, it, 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 for instance, Mapleton's a tier two. So a lot of you guys out there should be only dealing with like a tier one on your first flip, right? Which is cosmetics. You're not changing any walls. You're staying in the wall. You're staying inside the walls. You're working with what's there. Um you're not really getting creative and changing floor plans and moving walls and opening walls and things like that. So tier two is what Mapleton is. In fact, there's a bathroom added. So it was a four bedroom house, took it to a three bedroom, three bath with a study now versus, you know, the formal living that was there before is now a study. And it turned out great. I think the function and flow uh, for the home is great. Now, mind you, it's all inside of the outside walls, but, the floor plan was heavily modified. And, you know, we did this originally walking with your GC and kind of mapped this out with a pencil on the wall because it wasn't yep. super complicated, um, you know, where we were doing things. We moved a couple doors, you know, we added, we got rid of a bedroom and closets and then 
we're able to make that space the master the master suite, if you will. But it does make sense, and and sometimes it, it can be expensive. You know, like for instance, if we're doing a project like Mapleton with three D renderings, you know, our cost is going to be somewhere around like three grand to thirty five hundred dollars. If you hire me to to design that on CAD with three D renderings. The nice thing, though, is we can pre-design and choose all those paint colors and tile colors and schematics and, and everything up front. And so we can pretty mm-hmm. much do all that design work, and then um, you have a, a complete map, right? Like it takes all yeah. of those design and guessing and, and you know second-guessing yourself uh, out of the equation because we did it up front and spent the time up front virtually uh, doing all of that. So. You know, for you people mm-hmm. out there that maybe your head's hurting just hearing this conversation because you're like, holy <laughs> crap, this is a lot of stuff and I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, what's the difference between a light switch going to a fan and an LED and what do you, ta- you know, what do you mean? Um, y- you know, yeah, that's where right. these things happen. Then we put together an electrical plan and then basically the trades would follow those plans. So you would give the plans to your plumber, you give the plans to your electrician. You still should be there on site if you can to go over the plans quickly the first time that the guys are showing up to work uh, and make any kind of markups that maybe the plans didn't cover or maybe you know we thought the switch was on the right side of the door and it's on the left side of the door what's existing Um, you know that there's little details like that that happen but at the end of the day uh, following that plan is is much more efficient way of doing like a tier two project than you know, the way that this was done right at Mapleton. Now I can do what you did and, and, and you're learning to do what you did and walk it with the trades and kind of think and go at the same time. But just to let you guys know that that does exist. That's another added expense that you need to, you know, that you need to consider um, when you're taking on a project like this is you may need to allot money for plans. Um, so it's just something to keep in mind. Like for instance, in my budget sheet, uh, when I get into tier two and tier three stuff, uh, I, I've had a lot of expenses in there for building plans and permits, for instance, you know, you, you have those expenses that are, that are categorized in there. Well, and I was going to say too, on the design stuff, you know, I will definitely do that next time because especially on a big project like this, to me, it'll save, it'll at least pay for itself, if not save money. And it actually takes a lot of the the worry about it because if you're there and you don't know construction and your electrician is calling you and saying, Hey, what are we doing here? What are we, I'm, my guys are over there right now. And you tell them the wrong thing. Well, now you're paying for them to come back and fix it and maybe, or maybe they'll do it. And, but they kind of roll their eyes and this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. If you can hand them a really complete set early on and you're all on the same page, well, if they mess that up or their guys go out and they don't put the LED box in, for example, and they put it in a vanity light switch or a light box in the bathroom, well, you go back and you say, well, actually, this was on the drawing. We wanted, you know, then they go fix it. It's on them to fix it. So you're going to save that money. But in general, they're going to know they can just walk in, look at the plan, do their work, get out. And, And when you're using hard money or private money or whatever, Time is money. I mean, it adds up really, really quickly. And so if you're saving a week or two, plus you're saving some change order type fees, you're going to pay for itself uh, in in just having the plan out there. And then I'll say from a design perspective, getting to actually see the colors on the wall, 
and what the house is going to look like from the outside with this trim color. And you can do all that on the renderings. That saves a ton of time and worry because, you know, despite all your planning, you go out there and you're like, I don't know. It's, I'm, he's supposed to paint today. I'm going to go look at it tomorrow. I hope it's good. You know, it kind of saves a lot of that sort of consternation, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I think, you know, the, the summary of this is just, you know, really knowing your plan and putting together a plan. And it goes back to how we started this conversation is, you need to know your plan based on, you know, what you want the end result to be and then working backwards to achieve that, right? You're going to have those wild cards of repairs in the middle of that. Um, but, you know, some people get carried away too with, with design and, you know, doing these, uh, you know, these cool accent walls with one by two and doing things like that uh you know you had an idea of doing the the metal inserts you know which i thought was really cool in the bar area oh yeah um yeah you know but it adds another layer of of time and money which mm -hmm. maybe they wouldn't be that expensive but it's something out of the ordinary that would have looked cool and probably would have got some really good you know uh feedback but it was another another step for you that was going to take up time and take up you um trying to resource where they, where you would buy this material and then how is it going to be mounted in the cabinet? And, you know, it was kind of multi-layers, mm -hmm. right. That, that would have been involved instead of like right. spending your time doing that, you know, then, you know, you spent time and money on like the concrete guy, for instance, fixing the back steps, you know, but that was something that we knew right. based on that negative drainage, it was going to come up as a problem later. So you know, mm -hmm. and, and the average person may not catch that, that. That may have not been an issue until inspection. But when you're doing these kind of projects, you got to keep in mind that the consumer's mindset is you're a builder and you're building a new house, even though that's not the case. But in their mentality, they think, oh, you're an investor. You're making a lot of money on me. You're selling this at the top of the mm -hmm. market. And therefore, all these things need to be fixed, right? And mm -hmm. if they're not fixed, then they're going to they're going to hammer you on um giving credits or getting these things done. Um which yep. may have just been the way the house was built 50 years ago. And it's not anything to do with a defect. It's just the way the house was built compared to the way a house is built today. And you ran into this on mm -hmm. Polk and it was a nightmare. And it was also kind of just the perfect storm mm -hmm. of the right agent, the buyers you know, you being stressed, mm -hmm. you ready to get it off your books, you know, all these different things that came along yeah. with, with stress that made that even worse. And you had somebody that just like basically sent you the whole inspection report and was like, fix it. <laughs> and right. that's not fun. <laughs> um, and yeah. you know, in other cases you get, you know, people that get an inspection report back. Like, I mean, it was a tier one in Irving that I just did, but I mean, the fact that they came to me and didn't ask for anything. I was like, holy cow, like this never happens. Yeah, that's ever. crazy. Um, <laughs> for that to happen right after I, I had gone through Polk, and then I think the next one you did, you're like, I don't, I don't even know if they sent me anything. They must yeah. have left some pages off. No, yeah, I was over there for days just like sweating, just trying to figure it out. And like, man, this is easy. No, no yeah. I'm glad it went yeah. well. But I mean, that speaks to like, honestly, that honestly really is the product of you thinking of a ton of those problems from the beginning working backwards 
making sure it's done properly to begin with, and then it doesn't come up on inspection. Now, my the agent that was with me, if she was at your house, I kind of think something would have popped up. But, sure. you know, yours was much more clean, much more put together. And that's one of those things where once they see two or three things that are wrong, and then they're asking for this, well, let's just ask for this. Oh, and the other mindset on the buyer side is they they think that you just have this team of people that's on call, and all you have mm-hmm. to do is you know, send the uh, sheetrock fairies over there and the paint guys and it all just fixes itself and you have this endless cache of people and money and that's kind of their mindset. And if you can head that off and all those little bitty details, let's take care of this, let's take care of that. That's just less for them to add to that, that narrative of like, oh, we need to get people over here. And it actually adds to the, hey, we know what we're doing. And this is all taken care of properly. The whole house is like this. You know, we're not hiding anything, and you're going to have a much easier time selling it for sure. I think it's, um, you know, it, it, and again, it just goes with experience and just doing it and putting yourself out there and then learning, you know, learning from the past. I mean, that's, you know, my flips, you know, 10, 12 years ago we're not to the quality that they are now and they and they didn't cost as mm-hmm. much either <laughs> i mean they cost a lot yeah. more now because i can't unknow what i know right so you right. know i i probably true. pay more than most of my competitors when it comes to electrical plumbing and hvac but that's just because you know i know what i know now i hire the team i'm i'm paying a premium for it it's not like i'm getting some crazy discount Mm-hmm. but I'm dealing with people that right. know what they're doing that are professionals. You know, Callie's one of those guys that he does it right. And he knows what's going to come up with not only the city inspection, but what's going to come up with the, you know, with the third party Trek inspection as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just, if we know what's going to come up, we're just kind of addressing those things, um, up front, you know? Um, yeah, I will tell you that that was one thing at the Irving property that I chose not to do. It was a newer panel, but somebody prior to me had had changed the panel and left it in the master closet, which it, Mm. you know, should be on the outside wall. You know, it should have been a waterproof box on the outside of the wall to be code. At some point in time, Mm. somebody changed it. So it wasn't an old federal box, you know, or anything like that. It was a GE box, but it was inside the master closet. And it was going to cost me, you know, another $2,500 or more to move it to the outside. And so, for instance, that was one of those things I kind of left alone uh, because of the budget. And I was like, I'll wait and see, you know, and if it comes up on the inspection, then I'll go ahead and plan on, you know, moving it. But I left Mm -hmm. alone. And so it came up on the inspection. And, um, you know, the, the agent mentioned it, said, well, it came up and, you know, we know that, you know, it's not what code is today, but you know, we're okay with it. Maybe the seller will, you know, maybe the buyer will change it later. Okay, great. Yep. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> but, but I had to be aware that I, I knew that it might come up, but I just rather waited to the end to see where my sales price was and be able to negotiate it at that point in time um, if that mm-hmm. was the case. But yeah. a lot of situations, I go ahead and I go ahead and change it. But that was one that I was yeah. like, no. And if it was a federal box or if it was one of the boxes that have been banned, then I definitely would have changed it. But like I said, yeah. somebody had already upgraded the box before and it was on the inside wall. So 
Well, yeah, and you make those choices. You know, every once in a while, you just have to get in and get out, and that's how you, you know who's buying this, what are they willing to pay for, and you you know your budget and what has to be changed and that sort of thing. And um, yeah, so as we wrap up uh, this phase here, and we've talked a little bit about design. I know some of the resources that I've used and you've used. Once you you're getting that feel of okay. What are we going for here? Do I need to do a pony wall? Am I taking some st- some of the structural stuff out? You know, for instance, Tavis really I know relies heavily on the app House H O U Z Z I believe. Pinterest is always good. Instagram is okay. Be careful about Instagram because a lot of those are uh, AI generated images and they're just not realistic. <laughs> so it's going to be I, very difficult I'm to starting to, see to, that, to find something there that you can do. I'm starting to see that. I see a lot of like really cool architecture with like the dark you know, the dark colors and schematics and they're on the side of a cliff. And I'm like, wow, this thing is awesome. And then the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like, these are all AI, man. Like these are not really built. Yeah. Um, And they're super cool. But some of them, I'm like, this thing is not built. There's no way. Right. Now in the comments, they'll say, oh, what color is that? And they just never can tell you because it's AI generated color. It is not a Sherwin-Williams color. So it just doesn't exist. It's it's a. Uh, it's uh, in the watch world. They call that material unobtainium, and it's just everything is built out of unobtainium. And like you, you, it just you're wasting your time. So good. Look on house Pinterest. I think is good, but honestly, get out. Go to some open houses. Go find yep. some other houses nearby that have been flipped, and go see what they're doing, what materials yep. they're using. You'll find out. Like this feels cheap. This feels really cool. I never want to use that. I'll definitely use that. That to right. me, you're there. You're touching it and feeling it that's really where you're going to learn all this so, stuff one of the big things for me and I, I tell people all this when i'm consulting on design is pinterest sometimes you go down this rabbit hole um like you find something you like and then it clicks here and it clicks here and it clicks here and it goes to the story and this story and it, it to me it's hard mm-hmm. just to grab like an image and an idea and and pull that image mm-hmm. back right and, and so I, i'm not a big fan of the way Pinterest operates. Um, it, 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 and again, sometimes like just finding a paint color will go down a rabbit hole and then send you to some place they want you to pay money for it. You know, like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> you want me now? I'm on an yeah. Etsy page for some reason off of Pinterest that's wanting me to pay for a right. swatch of green colors, right? You know, the first is going to house, H O U Z Z. The benefit of going to house is I can do a genre or I can type in, uh, you know, butcher block countertops and kitchen, you know, and it'll show me 30 mm-hmm. images of different ideas or, you know, <clears throat> mix of walnut and white cabinets in kitchen. And it'll show me specifically that, mm-hmm. or I can say, you know, exterior of home mm-hmm. in a style. So it, what I like about that is then it just gives me that overall genre of kind of like, okay, I want a, a Colorado rustic modern, you know, elevation. Well, mm-hmm. it's going to spit out 30 different right. options for me. And I'm going to be like, hey, this is cool. Now we're in the style, right? So that that's what I like about yeah. House. Uh, and they used to not like you doing the screenshots. I think they've gotten a little bit more better with that now. Um, yeah. But uh, anyways, I, over the years, I kind of push people that way. And, and then you can actually, a lot of times, you can actually click on the picture and then go into details. And it'll give you... Uh, yep more information and paint colors and stuff, depending on what people are willing yeah, for to share. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, Tavis is uh, Tavis is protective of colors, so just be careful of uh, <laughs> you know. Tavis would be one of those. Uh, he's worked hard to come up with an aesthetic so um you know but that's the thing you hire someone like tavis you get all the knowledge and you know you're going to get not only are you getting color knowledge you're getting layout you're getting hey this looks cool in this picture but this is why it's difficult or he knows how to talk to the cabinet guy and say hey this is what they're going for this let's do this drawer this drawer this drawer so um definitely an advocate for you know hiring tavis or some professional designer that can actually lay it out for you you'll save a ton of money it's a fun process they they look awesome. You know, go, go look on his Instagram. He's got several projects there, a lake house that they did. It just is unbelievable what they can do. So I will, I'm a huge advocate for that. So, well, why don't we start wrapping up? Um, uh, this is our series of flipping. We're going to probably do a couple more. We're going to get to the finish line of the flip. We're going to talk about marketing it and going ahead and selling it, the things you need to pay attention to. And then we're going to double back and, you know, start talking a little bit more about some of the uh, topics that we brushed over early on. We're going to start doing some interviews in this spot. If you haven't, check out our podcast that comes out towards the end of the week, uh, around Friday, Saturday, depending if I'm traveling or not and how the editing's going. But towards the end of the week, we do one that's more of a market update, a little of our higher level of the news that's happening, and especially in the Dallas area. And then we talk about just some of the generic, uh, you know, real estate topics there that are happening in the world and, and in our market. And so it's a fun, it's a little bit more of a fun take on real estate and we have a great time with it. So uh, check that out. Uh, like it, subscribe it, share it with a friend. Uh, if you're getting any value from it, give us some feedback. Tell us what you'd like to hear about and we will definitely dive deep. And we will check with you this next Friday, Saturday, and hope to see you there. 